Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, three more options for the Timberwolves at the number 53rd pick, number 53 pick in Thursday night's draft. Three players that I think could be on the board for the Wolves, and I would actually not mind them taking one that I'm very excited about. We'll get to all that on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day, and happy NBA draft eve no, the Timberwolves do not have a first-round pick in this year's draft. Not yet, at least. There are rumors that they may try and acquire one, but they do have the 53rd pick. And uh, I want to talk again today about three players the Wolves could look at acquiring, uh, well, drafting, I guess, acquiring via draft at number 53 on Thursday. So we're going to do that and then uh, talk a little draft rumors. We'll get into that more Thursday as well. Um, so that's the show here today. A big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this one. You can also watch the show. In addition to YouTube, you can download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. If you have either one of those devices, you can find the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. And uh, this show, as well as all the other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts, can be found there as well. You can also follow the show on Twitter. That's at Lockdown T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Um, as I mentioned, there's there's a few mild draft rumors out there. John Krasinski of the Athletic posted an article on um I guess it would have been Tuesday, where he just kind of went down, you know, the list of like, hey, the Wolves would love to acquire a first round pick, nothing's imminent, anything could happen, that sort of a thing. So we'll, I think we'll dig a bit more into that. The latest, most up-to-date rumors on Thursday leading into the draft, because at the moment, there hasn't been much movement. Like some years we see teams swapping picks, et cetera, in advance, and, and maybe we'll see some the day of. Um, so I'll, I'll touch on that a bit more, and and then we'll do kind of my final, um, it's not really a big board, I guess it'd be pick number 53 big board. I'll rank the players that I've profiled and, and talk about who I most would want the Wolves to target at 53. We'll do that Thursday. Today, though, Three more players, and if you're watching on YouTube, you get a preview of who we're talking about. They're on the side of the screen there. But I want to start. Yesterday, we covered three players. Um, so if you missed uh, Tuesday's show, I talked about Jalen Clark, UCLA, Seth Lundy from Penn State, and then Jordan Miller from Miami. Today, I want to start with Keontae Johnson from Kansas State. And uh, Keontae Johnson is a really, really intriguing prospect. And I'm actually, within today's show, and this, this doesn't, like I'll combine my, you know, the multiple shows I've done on draft prospects for Thursday show, but I am actually ordering them in the order of within these three players who I'm most excited about. Keontae Johnson is the one that I'm most excited about among these three at number uh, 53, if he's potentially available. I, I, I tend to think he won't be. And, and the reason why is he's such a well-rounded prospect. The biggest, if, if I would, I guess I would call it a red, red flag, is that Keontae Johnson is the player who had that that terrifying um, 
collapse uh, when he was on the floor. I think it was in 2020. And he's he's now played uh, a couple of. He actually took two years off, and then I think he played two years since then. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I have it right here. Uh, basically, yeah, he played like in a game at the end of the year transfer. And that was when he was at Florida transferred to Kansas state. So he really has only played one full season since he collapsed on the floor a couple of years ago. Um, but he was medically cleared. He was cleared again for the draft and, and, you know, they obviously monitored him all season. So I think there's some fear there that maybe something could crop up later. And obviously for his health is the number one concern from a strictly business perspective. And this sounds bad, but like to invest a first round pick in somebody who, if there is a a heart condition that does crop up later, that isn't ideal. Right. So I tend to think he's an early second round pick and I worry that he's not on the board at 53, but a lot of mocks have him going in the late 48, uh, mid, mid to late forties, 48 mid to late forties. Um, so it's possible he's off the board. Um, if, if not likely, but I want to talk about him because if he's there, I think he has first round talent. I, I really do. Um, the biggest thing with Keontae Johnson is, is as I said earlier, he's super well-rounded. He's six foot five, six eleven wingspan. He's a two guard, um, but you could you could convince yourself if you squint hard enough, you could see him as a true combo guard. He had a lot of turnovers in college, um, and he had you know live ball passing was more spotting than anything else. Spotty than anything else. He had some highlight real type passes, but he also sometimes had tunnel vision or made bad passes. And and I guess you see that a lot in college in general. But he's not a pure point guard. I guess is what I'm saying. But um, when he puts his head down and goes to the rim, he's extremely strong and very impressive. Uh, His handle's good, really good for a two guard, I think. But again, maybe not to that of a lead guard. A good first step, but not a great first step. So again, well-rounded doesn't. And I, you know, this is what I going back to what I said a couple days ago. So many times these second round picks, you're looking for guys that are good at a lot of things or great at one thing. And he's good at a lot of things. There are a couple things that I would say he's borderline great at. He's a really good cutter off the ball. So again, if you play him off the ball, um, he's going to cut like there's so many highlights of him getting lobs from the baseline uh, because his defender turns their head and he back cuts them. Like think think about what happened to D'Angelo Russell defensively like once a game early last season. That's basically what he was doing to guys is as soon as their head turned, he was cutting baseline to try and get a lob. He's big enough and athletic enough to do that, even at the NBA level. He's also just a really good cutter in general from, from the perimeter, not just baseline, but when he sees a lane and he understands the spacing, the floor balance, he's a really, really good cutter. And the Wolves need guys that understand that and have that feel on the offensive end of the floor. That is really exciting to me. He's also a really good catch and shoot player. He was 45% catch and shoot this year, not strictly threes, but in general catch and shoot. Uh, from the three-point uh, line overall, he was 40.5%. And before the scary injury uh, in 2020, he was really good too. For his career in college, over three plus seasons, 38.9%. So basically 39%. But again, this last year, his his year at Kansas State, 45% catch and shoot. His shot doesn't get much elevation, but again, he's big enough. He's 6'5", 6'11", wingspan. So the relief, the release point is high and it's pretty quick too. The biggest thing to me watching him shoot the ball is how easy it is. He has easy range, um, a decent, again, a decently quick release. I think he's got easy NBA range. He's more of a spot up shooter because of that. He shot under 30% off the dribble this year at Kansas state. So he's not a huge threat to score off the dribble for you, but again, off the ball, catch and shoot situation, a really good cutter. That's what you're looking for. Um, in terms of defense, 
I think he's a good defender. The, again, I think a lot of it comes from his strength, his build, and and how thick he is, and then also his long arms, his six eleven wingspan. Um, you know, I, I thought his lateral quickness was okay. I thought there was too often he got he got beat a little bit off the dribble, but he recovered well, and again, contest shots really well from everywhere on the floor, from the perimeter, um, rear contest, review contest. Uh, catching up to guys, trying to contest at the rim. That was what was most impressive to me. It was almost like what you would say for an NFL cornerback, like ball skills, right? He sees he's got active hands. He's going to contest the shot. That was impressive to me. And again, the strength to not get bowled over. And it didn't seem like he was in a ton of foul trouble in college. I don't know if that's something that sometimes that adjustment needs to be made. Um, I mean, I guess he played at the Big 12. It's not like he was in the Big 10. So it wasn't like rugby necessarily, but Sometimes you can get away with more contact in college than you can in the NBA. So that could be an adjustment. But I think, in my mind, it goes back to him being a well-rounded player. The 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 shortcomings, if you, if you put aside the medical concerns, which, again, to be clear, he's been cleared multiple times. Um, so if you ask him and his agent, I'm sure they'd say there is no concern. But NBA teams, of course, are going to think about that. Um, Putting that aside, the biggest issue is just that he's kind of a tweener. Um, he's got a scoring mentality, but he's not really athletic enough, quick enough, first step, et cetera, to be a true or shooting off the dribble to be a true number one scoring option. And he isn't really a point guard either, but he's got enough scoring skills, namely his touch, his shooting ability from from uh, from deep and a good enough passer to kind of be that like a deadly role player off the ball and maybe a secondary creator off the bench. I, like I envision it something of not quite a Jalen Noel role because Jalen Noel kind of morphed into this, like I've got to shoot it when I touch the ball last year. And based on how good he was the year prior, it made some sense. But then obviously last season was miserable for Jalen Noel. I don't think he's necessarily, I think he's certainly a more well-rounded player than Jalen Noel. I don't know that he's got the same ability scoring wise. I don't know that he's quite the athlete Jalen Noel is, but I think he's a, Profiles is a better all-around player. He's certainly a better defender. There's no question. So offensively, there's some similarities. Defensively, um, he's much, much better. So in my mind, it's like a like year one, he probably doesn't see the floor a whole, a whole lot. Um, there Actually, there's some... Well, I think that's probably true, but I think he profiles as a solid role player off the bench that could do multiple things, can guard multiple positions, probably guard one through three, maybe even some fours, um, maybe not quicker ones, but like solidly twos and threes and some ones, some fours. I I like him a lot as a second round prospect because he's so good at so many things. There is a little bit of upside too, just because he hasn't played a ton the last few years, uh, but he is older, right? Like he's already, um, I believe he's 23 already. So that's a concern. Uh, but otherwise, I like him as a prospect, extremely well-rounded and would be excited if he was on the board at 53. But again, I think he's probably an early second round pick. Um, all right. Next, I want to talk about uh, Colin Castleton, a big um, who has some intriguing characteristics as well. So we'll do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by BetterHelp. The show is sponsored by our friends at BetterHelp. Uh, if mental health is something that you don't think a ton about or haven't really been able to spend much time thinking about yourself, it's it's really important to reconsider that. Uh, when we spend all of our time giving, and I know I'm guilty of that, as I'm sure many of you are as well, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. I've said this before, but 2020 was, for a lot of people, I think where that kind of shifted. For me, it was kind of coming out of that year, right? I spent a little more time thinking about myself and my family in 2020 and then coming out of it, getting back into quote unquote regular life. 
um, things flipped back and it was a, a weird transition. And, and I've spent a lot more time kind of really considering daily um, my own well-being and mental health. And again, um, you don't want to leave yourself feeling stretched thin and burned out. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, you really should consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Don't miss Locked On NBA's draft live on Thursday night. Pick-by-pick pick analysis from our stable of local NBA hosts, national reaction from our NBA big board hosts, and live check-ins from inside the NBA draft. Locked On NBA Draft Live starting at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on the Locked On NBA YouTube page tomorrow night. That's Thursday. Of course, the Wolves don't have a first-round pick. If they do trade in, though, yours truly will be um, on the show. Uh, if there's a trade, anything like that, I'll be involved. But otherwise... The hosts do a fantastic job in general, um, so be sure to check that out Thursday night on the Locked In NBA YouTube page. All right, let's talk about Colin Castleton. Uh, Colin Castleton started his college career at Michigan, played two years there, and then after the COVID-shortened year, transferred to Florida and played three years there. So he's another five-year college player, so he's going to be a little bit on the older side. And um, I think he is an intriguing and solid option at 53 if he's there. Um, the the headline for Colin Castleton is his defense, number one, in shot blocking. And then I would also say, um, I mean, that's the headline. And then also the fact that he's a big that, that looks fluid with the ball in his hands, can handle a little bit, looks the part in terms of stepping out and shooting. We'll get more into that, though, because that's also um, extends to why he's a second-round pick and not a first-round pick. But defensively, he's fantastic. He's an excellent drop pick and roll coverage uh, defender. Um, the feel is, is like he gets it. He understands the spacing um, compare. Like if you're not sure what I mean by that, compare Colin Castleton from this last year at Florida to like Carl Anthony Towns footage from four years ago when David Vanterpool was the associate head coach and defensive coordinator. The Wolves were running exclusively drop and also Nas too. Towns and Nas had no idea where they should be in drop coverage. They struggled to, to find the right spacing Obviously, it's different at the NBA level than it is at college, but Colin Castleton gets it. He knows where to be in drop coverage, and that's what the Wolves play. Like I, This isn't the real number, but probably 85% of the time currently. They did a little bit of some other things last year, depending on the personnel on the floor, but that's what Rudy Gobert excels at, right? Um, Castleton knows when to give ground. He has the length to contest. He's athletic enough and quick enough laterally um, to recover to uh, to to chase down ball handlers uh, if they get around him to block their shots from behind. Um, again, drop coverage is so much more about understanding the scheme and feel and also knowing who the opponent is, right? If you're in drop, knowing are they more likely to pull up from mid-range, are they more likely to go to the rim, uh, what's more dangerous in this situation? But he did an effective job at, at doing both, and I thought that that was really impressive. With the ball in his hands, he looks really fluid. He can actually put the ball on the floor. It's not something the Wolves need. I know that Chris Finch likes to have guys that are um, that can do that, that can push pace. Like obviously Nas does that. Rudy tried to do it this year for whatever reason. But like bigs that can put the ball on the floor and push the ball in transition, he can do that. Uh, I don't think that's that attractive of a skill set for the Wolves because 
if the ball's in his hands, then it's not in Anthony Edwards' hands or Carlton Towns' hands, and that's where you want the ball. Um, but that's impressive. Also, he um, is a really good passer, and there's there's all sorts of like you could find all sorts of clips of him passing from the high post primarily. Like I could see him if he was on the Wolves standing at the elbow at the second unit, and maybe you have. Uh, like, I don't know, I guess we don't know for sure who's going to be on the roster next year, but say Nikhil Alexander-Walker's back and he's one of your cutters on the perimeter and you have um, maybe a backup point guard that's a better shooter. Like I talked about Javon Carter a, a few days ago, picking up him up in free agency, somebody that can shoot 38, 39, 40% from three. And you have a couple guys that are cutting, a couple guys that are spacing and Castleton can stand at the elbow and, and you know, find shooters and cutters. He's not like, He's not a savant, right? Like it's not, um, he's not Arvita Sabotis out there, but he was very capable of doing that in college. And I actually think like in my mind, he's standing at the elbow, he's passing, and then he's crashing the glass. He's a pretty good rebounder. The rebound numbers aren't like quite what you'd like them to be for his size, but they're solid. And I think he's, he's competitive on the glass. So I, I see him at the elbow, kicking it out to a shooter and then immediately crashing the glass to try and get it offensive board. I think he's got the foot speed to then get back defensively. I don't think we're talking like he's quicker than a Luca Garza in transition. Um, now he's not Nas Reed either, right? But I think he could get back in transition if he's still crashing the glass offensively. So I think he'd bring an element of offensive rebounding too, which would be um, which would be sorely needed from the Wolves. I mean, they were a decent offensive rebounding team a couple of years ago with Jared Vanderbilt in the fold, but that went by the wayside last year, and they were also bad defensively, as we know, defensive rebounding wise. So. I think he adds that element on the glass. He adds an element as a as a passing big. And um, defensively, again, I think he's plug and play, and it would allow you to play drop almost exclusively if, if, if either Castleton or Gobert is at center. Now, the problem then becomes, what do you do with Towns on the floor? Do you switch it up when Towns is on the floor? Um, also, or maybe Towns pretty much only plays the four. So if you draft a Castleton, that means that you're basically locked into playing Towns at the four only if, if you think Castleton's part of your rotation. Um, and I think there's still advantage to having Towns on the floor as a small, quote unquote, small ball five, even though that's his natural position at times. So that might be a reason the Wolves don't draft him. Um, remember, when the Wolves drafted Walker Kessler, they didn't have Rudy Gobert yet, right? So this would be another player who's strictly a center um, and it would also kind of maybe tip the wolf's hand as to thinking they may not have Nas Reed coming back. Um, but like they could draft him and then cut Nate Knight loose. I mean, Nate Knight's owed $2 million if they keep him for next year. I've kind of assumed that they will because he's cheap and he's a solid fourth big, but maybe they draft him and, and he takes over the Knight Garza fourth big role. Um, and you let Knight and Garza and or Garza go and Colin Castleton becomes your fourth big, even if you bring Nas back. Okay, points of improvement or issues with Colin Castleton. I mentioned this already. For his size, you'd like him to be a better rebounder. Um, like, I don't, This it isn't really fair to compare him to Walker Kessler, but it's a pretty recent comparison point for Wolves fans, obviously. And also, Kessler was phenomenal as a rookie last year. Like, the, the rate-based stats aren't close. Um, Castleton is 20.7% for his college career defensive rebound rate, 15.5 total rebound rate. So, 20, we'll call it 20 and 15.5. Um Kessler was 22% defensive rebound rate and 17% total rebound rate. So a couple points better on each. The block rate is really good for Castleton. Was 9.1% this year, 8.5% for his college career. To show you just how good Walker Kessler was, he was 19% at Auburn last season, 17.2% for his collegiate career. 
He's not Walker Kessler. There's a reason Walker Kessler and Kessler's a better athlete. He's a better shooter. There's a reason Kessler's a first round pick and Castleton is a maybe late second round pick. Uh, so I want to be really clear about that. There's absolutely a reason why Castleton is available at this point in the draft. And I think he will be on the board at 53. He's not a very good shooter. Um, but he's got solid form. His touch appears to be good. He has good feel with when to you know pick and pop um, and when to to kind of shoot from the perimeter. He's also again Castleton. Back to Castleton now. He has a good free throw percentage. He shot what seventy three percent this year, seventy three percent for his collegiate career. Um, so I think that there's there's hope for him developing a solid enough jumper that you can play him at the elbows and not have teams sag completely off of him because that would be the one concern. Obviously, it's tougher to do that in the NBA because of the um, because of the defensive three-second rule. Um, but again, because the free throw percentage in form are solid, the touch on his passes is good, I think there's a chance the shot could improve. If he's on the board at 53 and some of these other guys I've talked about, like Jalen Clark, who I talked about on Tuesday's show, and even Keontae Johnson, who I talked about today, if those guys are gone, Castleton's a solid pick at 53. Um, I think there's a ceiling to what he's going to be able to do. And on a team with Towns and Gobert, he's, he's at, he's probably your fourth big. Um, but I, I think he's an NBA player and I think that there's, there is a little bit of upside there with him again, the age and the, um, modest athleticism and so far lack of a consistent shot kind of limits that, but I think he's kind of a plug and play bench big at the NBA level. All right, one more play to get to today, and that is UCLA's Amari Bailey, another UCLA wing, uh, or I guess more of a combo guard. We'll get to him here in a minute, and that's how we'll close the show here today. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now customers, excuse me, new customers get a new no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Um, if you're a Twins fan, things have been rough. They're still actually somehow in first place, but they're under 500 in a terrible division and have lost... Uh, what, three straight and I believe six of seven. So not going well for the Twins. I wouldn't bet on the Twins, but there's lots of good bets out there on FanDuel. Don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, let's close the show here today by talking about UCLA's Amari Bailey. Amari Bailey is... I would say comfortably a combo guard um, out of UCLA. He's a one and done player. So unlike the last couple guys who I've talked about, Keontae Johnson playing parts of uh, four seasons at the NBA, or excuse me, college level. Um, actually, I believe five, well, five seasons, but again, basically missed two. And then uh, Colin Castleton playing five years at, at the collegiate level. Amari Bailey's one and done. Um, and so he's very much a raw prospect, and that's why I ranked him third out of these three players, where the upside is there, and, and again, you can swing for the fences in the second round because there isn't necessarily guaranteed money that you're putting towards it, or you could look for a well-rounded um, rotation player. I tend to think the Wolves are on the hunt for guys who they can plug and play in the rotation because they're a playoff team, they're a team that expects to be much better next year, and they're not, I mean, they're close to hitting that second salary apron to, to being in the tax, they need to find rotation guys on the cheap. And I think you could do that in the second round. I think Keontae Johnson and Colin Castleton are both examples of guys you could do that with or that, that could fit that bill. Amari Bailey is, I think, can play at the NBA level pretty much right away, but it's a longer play. It, it's, there, it's more of an upside play. Again, just one season at UCLA 
And um, I I think the reason why you could play him right away at the NBA level is because he's a really good defender. Um, I was surprised after watching him play to see that he only had a 6'7 wingspan. He's 6'4 with a 6'7 wingspan. I think he plays longer than he is defensively. He's really good at contesting shots, and that's that's where that wingspan shows up, right? Um, from pretty much any angle. I thought he got beat a little bit off the dribble, and, and he seemed to rely a little bit on, on recovery speed and his length that it won't necessarily play the same way or be as effective at the NBA level as it was in college. But he's still a good defender. And again, the length, how good, it seemed like he could contest a shot at almost any angle. Like he could recover a contest in the mid-range. He could contest at the rim. He was really good at closing out on the perimeter. He had active hands, um, passing lanes, uh, getting hands on dribbles, uh, on, on, on guys' dribbles. Um, I thought that was that certainly plays right. Activity is, is a huge thing. Um, so that to me is, is, is why I think he could play from, from day one in the NBA. I think he's a a good athlete, decent size. Again, I would describe him as a good defender with upside plays long, active hands, et cetera, good recovery speed. Um, so that to me is his ticket to playing right away at the NBA level. Um, his three point percentage this year was 38.9%, relatively low volume. He attempted 1.8, Per game, so less than two threes per game. Again, low volume here too, but his catch and shoot forty one point five percent this year. I think it was around fifty attempts overall as a catch and shoot player. Um, that's a good number, forty one and a half percent for a player who played one year in college. So, I think his mechanics are a little wonky, um, but I just watching him. I, I don't know. I don't have like evidence to back this up. I think he'll be a good shooter at the NBA level. I just think he displays good touch. The shot selection is mostly good. And he's got really good body control, which I th- it, that's all related, right? So it's a little weird to me that his form isn't, his mechanics aren't a little bit more repeatable um, because he was really good at taking contact and finishing in the mid-range, pulling up and, and hitting floaters. Um, his mid-range shot is much better than his three-point shot right now. Um, I, I worry a little bit about his build and if he's got the strength the you know he's he's listed at 6'5", um, measured 6'4", I think at the combine, but listed at 6'5", 185 pounds. I mean, he's got to put on some weight if he's going to finish through contact in the NBA. But again, the body control is really impressive, and the touch is very good. He was only seventy percent on free throws on free throws this year, percentage wise, sixty nine point eight percent actually. Um, didn't get to the line a ton, so there's a lot of development to be done there. But you can't teach. I mean, you can't easily teach touch. You can't easily teach teach body control. All that stuff comes really naturally um, to to Amari Bailey and. So in my mind, there's a lot of scoring upside there. And I think he can step in and, and kind of show. I, th- I think he's probably a G League guy the first year. I think there's a lot of development to be done. Um, I also worry about his build when it comes to defense, where I think uh, technically he's pretty strong. And again, the length, the active hands, all those things are are really good. And again, you can't teach them. But there are a lot of things that you can teach that he needs to improve. Um, he needs to build up his body a little bit. He needs to get an NBA conditioning um, or really strength program. Um he needs to improve the consistency on the jumper, the mechanics, et cetera. But the length, the overall feel on both ends, I think is good. Passing was, again, it was spotty. Again, a one-and-done player, really young guy. I think there's a lot of development to be done passing the ball, too. Um, He needs to be a little bit less sloppy. I think he's a combo guard at the NBA level. I don't think he'd have a role on this year's Timberwolves team, but I like his upside, and I like the things, those unteachable things, if you want to call them that. He has those already, and... It just is going to take a couple of years before he's a rotation guy. And the Wolves at that position, like you could, Wendell Moore is a little more of a wing than he is a combo guard. Um, but like 
the Wolves don't need him necessarily right away. And that's also why I rank him third out of these three guys that we talked about today, Johnson, Castleton, and Bailey, because it is more of an upside play and it's going to take a minute where the other guys I think you could put in as your ninth guy in your rotation and you'd be fine as a playoff team. Um, I, I don't think Bailey's there yet. There's a reason why he's going to be a second round pick, very likely not a first round pick. But again, the upside is is still there. All right, that's all I have for you today. I do want to say, though, what I want to do Thursday. Um, so every day or is, you know, when you listen tomorrow, I want to kind of sum up who my top picks would be for the Wolves at 53. I also want to talk rumors. So if there's anything out there Wolves tangentially related, I want to unpack that Thursday. The live NBA draft show on the Locked In NBA YouTube channel is uh, is Thursday night. So, you know, second screen it if you're watching the draft on ESPN or NBA TV on, on your TV. Uh, or just go ahead and cast YouTube or, or use your whatever app, um, whatever device you use on your TV to watch through YouTube and watch the Locked In NBA show on your TV. Uh, if I if I speak, if I can speak for all of Locked On, I think we do a fantastic job of producing the show. And again, if the Wolves do anything significant, I'll be on the show uh, live as well. So be sure to tune into that Thursday night. And again, this show will post early Thursday with kind of some final thoughts of the draft. If the Wolves do something major, we'll do kind of an emergency show late Thursday. Um, otherwise, if the Wolves just stand pat at 53 or something like that, we'll do a regular show Friday that'll break down their pick at 53 and, and draft night as a whole. So that's what we'll do here the rest of the week. A big couple of days, even with only one pick, it's still exciting. Uh, the NBA draft is uh, around these parts. So um, get excited for a big day on Thursday. That's all we have for you today. A big thank you again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.